Welcome to Ford Ram Goal. Football may be over, but in the famous words of the little Bow Wow, they're playing basketball. So, grab a glass, put the game on mute, and take a listen. Let's do this. Alright, welcome to Four Gram of Gold, where you're joining us with some good whiskey, maybe some not-so-good whiskey that you're going to find out. We're going to watch some sports. We're going to talk some sports. We're going to go through our headlines. We're going to get into it all. I'm your host, Kurt, and I've got my co-host, Dick, here. What's up, Drammers? Before we get into where you can get a hold of us and maybe start interacting with us more, we're going to talk about a couple different things. We're going to tell you about a big goof that we had last weekend. We're going to talk about the All-Star Game. Uh, we'll talk a little Josh Gordon, a little Russell Wilson, and some other uh, quarterback carousel news that's going on in the NFL. Dick, we'll get to talk to you about a bunch of whiskey news that's going on. Uh, but before we get into everything, including our big mistake, shut your mouth with where they can talk to us, Dick. Yeah, so Drammers, as we always talk about, uh, we want to make sure that you understand exactly where to interact with us and you know to tell your friends to go to start listening to us. Um, we've got our website. That's really the central point of everything we do, fourthramandgold.com. It's got our connection to Instagram, all our podcasts, streaming. You can also hook up with us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is 4THDRAM. And always our fa- Facebook is trusty Fourthram and Goal. As always, tell your friends about us. We're always looking for new followers and value your feedback. You can listen to us on pretty much any podcast stream app that's out there apple Podcasts, google spotify etc etc um and then of course speaking of feedback we want to hear from you hit us up fourthramandgoal at gmail.com we want your feedback we want to know what's going on we want to know what's working well what's not working well and as always if you want to come onto the show and be a guest we'd be happy to have you grab a bottle get drunk and talk some shit so without further ado kurt i think we should go ahead and let our listeners in on i think what is a classic podcast faux pas you screw up stuff happens sometimes your equipment doesn't work that's what she said and then also times um you know you just have to realize in the editing process the audio sucks so bad that you're just gonna have to redo it yep so that is exactly what happened to us drammers we recorded last weekend so we actually better have a pretty damn good show because this is our second go around at it we had a pretty good show uh, we got to drink some whiskey. Me and Dick had a good old time recording like we usually do. But then when we came back to it, uh, when Dick was doing his mixology stuff in the podcast booth, mixing everything together, it sounded like he was putting an and one mixtape together because it sounded like somebody was constantly dribbling a basketball. We had made a, I guess you can say, a fourth dramical oath that we would never re-record. No matter how shitty we were, we were going to be honest and transparent but at the end of the day if you can't hear a damn thing we're saying uh it doesn't work so we're gonna do it again we're gonna give it a try the one thing that we're not gonna redo is the whiskey that we had that night for a couple of reasons uh we want to try something else tonight and we can give you a brief summary of what we had i ended up i'll start i guess this is what was in our glass I uh, was giving the George Dickel bottled and bond a second chance to impress me as it did the first time I gave the history on it, you know, Diego product. It was the 11 year old. We've talked about it many times on the show, hundred proof, 84% corn, 8% wheat, 8% barley. It was $32. 
Um, you know, we talked about once again, it was the 2019 whiskey advocate whiskey of the year, but that was the 13 year old, uh, very controversial. Some people hate it. Some people like it. Some people just hate George Dickel products in general. I had it this past summer. I thought it was really good. I've had very many good things since then. I wanted to see if it still had the same effect on me to, to make things short and simple on the nose. I gave it a it was a B plus. Um, it was a B plus. Lots of good things there. It reminded me of Evan Williams on the nose. Good peanuts, not you know too musty. On the palate, it had a B minus for me. Kind of came up short to the nose, and then my overall grade for um, Dickel that day was a B. I thought it was a B. Definitely, I think it it, it didn't give me the shock and awe that it did over the summer because of other things that I had and I've been able to compare it to, but it was still a solid pour, especially for $32. So give it a try. Uh, you be the judge for yourself. Dick, what was in your glass that night? In that night, I was actually drinking um, a solid product that I had not had before in the old Forester lineup. That was the old Forester 1897. I actually killed it during that recording. So just as Kurt said, not going to be able to re-drink it for you, but I'll give you a quick summary. Uh, we're talking about 100 proof bourbon here. It comes in right about $60. It's non-age stated, and it comes in at 72% corn, 18% rye, and 10% malted barley. Um, that's per the breaking bourbon. When we were drinking through this, I kind of thought that the Old Forester 1897 was very similar to the 1920 to the 1910, um, even the 1915, which is the breed between the two. It's very cherry packed, you know, banana packed. I really like it. Um, but the nose itself being at 100 proof was not overly powerful. Um, so I gave it a B. And then going into the palette on it, I actually was able to give that a solid B as well. Same traditional notes you're going to get from Old Forester products, at least in my opinion. But being at the 100 proof, it's not as aggressive, so it's not as in your face. And, and honestly, it's just less flavorful. Um, and then that really drove to an overall rating of a B as well. Overall, I, I think it's good. I think there's some better bottled and bonds out there. But if you're truly an old Forester fan and you like Brown Foreman, you're, you're not going to go wrong with this product. But 60 bucks is kind of a lot to fork over when you could really go pick up an early times bottled and bond, which is going to give you something of a similar palette. It's a little bit more bitey. Um, and I'll say that about the old Forester. I hate to use this term, but smooth. It was more even keeled across and not as aggressive as maybe some of your cheaper uh, bottled and bond products. Yeah, and the and the one thing I do want to chime in about because we won't we won't get into it because you're not tasting it is we talked about Old Forester we 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 talked about other brands that you try their lower age stuff uh, their cheaper stuff and if you tend not to like it it's not it's quite often that you'll try their higher and more expensive stuff in the same conclusion with Old Forester that's not the case we've had their younger stuff we've had their um, you know Old Forester. I believe it was, uh, correct me here, Dick, it was the 18, because I said it wrong on one episode, it was the 1870 that I had, and it was not a fan, and then I've even tried some of their older stuff, like their traditional, you know, their everyday bottle, the 94 proof that's not part of their, you know, I guess that prohibition lineup, not too impressed but then I've had some other old Forster pro products that I love, 1920 is 
arguably the best bottle around $50 that you can get your hand on all year long. Mm -hmm. And then also, of course, their birthday bourbon that a couple of years have just knocked my socks off. It's delicious. Uh, as compared to some other brands that we've not intentionally given a bad name, but they're just not what floats our boat, uh, Woodford Reserve, uh, other things that we've had their lower end and their higher end and just all across the board, not usually a fan. Willing to give some other stuff a try, though. Um, For sure. Yeah, but anyway, that's just something that we won't talk about in this re-recording because you're not tasting it. Right, right. Um, little fun fact, though, that I did see about Old Forester is they're actually redoing their um, their labels. So, you know, how it kind of has like Prohibition style kind of like embossed behind the actual font on the front end of it. Um, they're, they're actually going to be kind of separating it out and kind of go over a more modern approach. Um, kind of clean cut. So it'll be interesting to see how well that's uh, received within the, the bottle enthusiast community. So without further ado, let's go ahead and talk about what we're drinking tonight. We'll kind of give a unofficial rating on these, I think, as we kind of go through um, in some initial uh, smell test and taste tests. Uh, what do you, what's in your glass? Yeah, so first time, if you're, it's your first time joining us, we always do what's in our glass. We give an overview of what we're drinking during the second dram, we give you what's on the nose. During the third dram, we give you what's on the palate. And we finish it in the fourth dram and go and give you our overall thoughts on it. I uh, am holding on to what's left of this 1792 foolproof. It is a total wine and more single barrel select, uh, one of your store picks. Uh, of course, 1792 is a Zazerac brand. This is a 125 proof Kentucky straight bourbon. And yeah, that's what I'm sipping on tonight. I've I called Dick one day when I was at the store to pick up one of the Texas whiskeys when I was trying those, and I I do plan on getting back to some Texas whiskeys. And I saw that, and I called him, and I said, "Hey, man, what do you think?" Um, we've obviously had a really big surprise with 1792 foolproof on our blind tasting that one time that we did it against uh, Elijah Craig barrel proof and Old Forester 150. It actually was the best for both of us and this one hasn't disappointed i will give you my thoughts on it as we go in throughout the show dick what's in your glass tonight so i'm gonna head back down the texas trail or at least we thought when we bought this bottle um i've actually been drinking two nine banded products over the last few weeks uh with my uh, buddy ak here um the first nine banded was their weeded bourbon and for someone who primarily only likes scotch mainly peaty scotch um, he actually really enjoyed it. So I was relatively surprised. Um, so I decided, hey, let's go out and get the nine banded straight bourbon whiskey, which comes at a 90 proof as well. And if you're not familiar with nine banded, it's a, it's a pretty simple bottle. It's got a white or a black label on it. Got a nice little nine banded armadillo. That's where it gets its name from. They're out of Austin, Texas. And uh, really a couple things here to know about them is it's a, a blend of corn, rye and malted barley so 87 corn 11 percent rye and two percent malted barley um it is age dated at least two years um here's where it gets a little interesting so in the description it talks about it's brought to life with limestone filtered water from the texas hill country but on the bottle it also says distilled in lawrenceburg indiana so if you know anything about whiskey and we've talked about this before we're obviously looking at something that is an mgb product but what they're doing is they're actually bottling it and mixing it in Austin. And when they're proofing it down, it sounds like they're using limestone filtered Austin water. So not a true Texas whiskey, but as much as some of them are out there. And I've really got to hand it to them. I mean, for, you know, 
taking an MG pre product and making it something that's very Texas branded and it ties back to, and they're doing as much as they can here in Texas. I'm really interested to see what they do long-term. We've talked about the maturation of these Texas whiskeys and you've got to start somewhere. Some great vodka, some make, you know, um, white dog. And then others have gone the route of pulling MGP in is, and we'll review it a little bit. I, I can't say that I'm mad at it. I mean, I'm really not. So um, that's what I'm drinking tonight. And price point, sorry, missed that. Price point is right about 30 bucks. All right, good stuff. So we'll get into our second dram, if you agree with me, sir. Let's do it. So the headline that day, this was about a week and a half ago, I'll say. Um, we talked about Tiger Woods. And at the time, it had already been a good week and a half since the accident. So our emotions were, you know, it wasn't fresh off the presses, but we gave a good little intake on Tiger over the years and what he meant to us. Uh, You know, and it's hard to do that again because, that, you know, like I said, that's an emotional conversation that we've had. We processed it. We kind of get got the feelings out as sappy as that sounds. So we'll summarize that for you as best we can. Tiger Woods, obviously... No argument. Greatest golfer of our generation. That was an easy, straight to the point answer. We talked about how they honored him with the red shirts, everyone paying tribute. That was awesome. One of those things where even if you don't watch golf, that's something that you probably chimed in just to check out for a second. And then we actually got into this um, best moment that we had of Tiger Woods over the years. Uh, I'll start. Mine was the uh, 2008 sudden death shot. You know, everyone remembers Rocco Mediate. They go into sudden death. Tiger pulls it off. That was one of my first uh, great memories of him. And then, of course, second was him, you know, making the comeback story and and winning the Masters last year. That's obviously got to be up there if you're a Tigers fans, Tiger fan. And even if you're just a slight golf fan, which I won't even say that I'm that. But Tiger Woods made golf interesting. Um, if you saw Tiger was leading in the later rounds, you chimed in, you checked it out. That's kind of the golf fan that I was. Dick, what was your uh, Tiger memory? Golf club in the windshield? Is that is that a fair? That's kind of what I remember the most. No, um, I think we're I think we do remiss being Dick. I think Classic. we'd be remiss not to at least explore here the pop culture references that Tiger Woods has had. I mean, I, I brought these up when we were discussing. We're not going to keep referencing back to what we did discuss. We're going to make this an active discussion. Um, you had the golf club and the uh, the windshield, you know, and you had the one of my favorite. Dave Chappelle episodes ever the the race draft it was iconic I mean I think when you think about Tiger Woods and to Kurt's point here he kind of brought golf to the forefront of a generation that maybe was not intimately involved and super fans of like our dads or our granddads were um and then really brought to that kind of that next generation right that generate that millennial generation and made it more interesting and and active for us so i was definitely the same kind of fan but i think if you talk about tiger woods i mean there's so many things to hit pop culture sports iconic moments but the dude made golf a video game like hit his own golf video game literally yes yes he did and so i think when you talk about like relevancy whether he's the greatest golfer of all time, we'll say for our generation he was, but we're not going to, you know, take a shot at Phil or take a shot at Jack. But ultimately, 
Tiger was golf for us. And I think that's what his legacy will always be. <clears throat> and we can't tell you a shot at Jack because I couldn't tell you anything. I didn't watch Jack. I didn't I mean, watch. You, no, but you don't know Jack? Literally. No, uh, you, I, I can't chime in on Jack Nicholas's career. Obviously great. Arnold Palmer, obviously great, even without the sweet tea lemonade. Um, uh, hold on. John Daly made it even better with the vodka and the sweet tea and lemonade. So and the cigarette. Okay. Tiger Woods. So the question is, is he one of the greatest athletes of all time? He's the greatest golf player, in my opinion, when you talk about the holistic allure of his athletic ability and his pop culture ability. Yes. He's not the greatest athlete of all time. I would definitely agree with you there. Now, is there a difference between the greatest athlete, such as Michael Jordan, LeBron James? Is it a fair comparison when you try to compare people like Tiger, who's doing it all on his own, or maybe like even Michael Phelps? Yeah. Or I'll, or I'll even say Serena Williams. Yeah, I, I, th I think you're making a great point, but I, I really think that we have to take these individual, maybe athletic ability sports, and they're not individual athletes. They have support teams. They have coaches. They have trainers. They have people that practice with them. Those help make them better. Any like a NASCAR driver is not a single man on a, on a track, right? But when you're talking about on the field, yeah, I think he's just right there with Serena. He's right there with Michael, I, Michael Jordan and Michael Phelps. I think he's there with... Tom, I mean, how can he not be? Okay. I like it. I do think. A look a lot. I will say, side note, I do think Michael Phelps' accomplishments over the years in multiple Olympics, I always have him up there as one of the greatest athletes, if not the greatest athlete of all time, especially when you're talking about the longevity that he had during his career. And I think he doesn't get that argument. And I know I totally went into a rabbit hole over here, not trying to take away from Tiger. Um, I'm going to reel you out of the pool. Let's get off Michael Phelps right now. Okay. But just, just say, do I have a point there? No, you have a point. I didn't argue with it. Okay, good. All right. Moving on. Rolling, rolling, rolling. We had an all-star game. Indeed we did. And did you watch? I think you and I probably watched the same amount, right? It's hard to watch a game and actually find it super interesting when it's 170 to 150. Um, LeBron's team really blew them out of the water, especially in the last two quarters and whenever they restarted the game. I did not watch any of it. Okay. I watched I watched halftime. I, I purposely watched the slam dunk contest just because of Obi Toppin being on it. He shot his wad on his first dunk, which was phenomenal. Uh and that was it. That's what I got from the All-Star game. Who won? Won what? The All-Star The uh, slam dunk contest. The guy from Cleveland. That's exactly my point. Or maybe the guy from... I don't... Maybe it wasn't the guy from Cleveland. Maybe it was the other guy. I don't know. That's how much I paid attention. I think that's a fair assessment. I literally looked when Toppin was dunking, and that was it. Um, so there was a lot of talk out there about Stephen Curry and LeBron having a ball, having a good time. It's, it was nice to see them on the same team, like not fighting each other. Yeah, that was cool, I guess. I don't know. I didn't watch it. But afterwards, right. yeah, I saw the Steph Curry shoot the three, and then he turned around. And Is that talent, or is that just like, okay, 
He's going to make it. He's Steph Curry. Anyway, I wish I had that ability. Uh, Blake Griffin, he's on the Nets. Cool. That's how I felt. I, uh, yeah. We, we talked about the list a little bit more in depth, um, but Kurt, you brought up some good points about Blake Griffin, and we talked very much, and we'll talk very much about, okay, so he's on the Nets. What does that mean? Does it mean that they actually win? And does him being there make them have a better chance of winning? So I'll throw that question at you. Blake Griffin is not the team changer he would have been maybe two years ago. Ooh, two years ago? I think yeah. that's generous. Really? Uh, I'll stick with that. I'll stick with that. The Nets are already favored to win the East, in my opinion. Depending on what happens with injuries, with this and that, uh, I don't know if the Nets necessarily beat the Clippers or the Lakers in a series. I think they should. But Blake Griffin doesn't change that. The addition of Blake Griffin doesn't change that. Fair. I, I think you're being a bit generous with two years ago, he made a difference. I think four to five years ago, he made his difference. He's 31 years old. He's our age. He's younger than me. So thank you for doing that. I'm going to take a drink now because of that. Oh, you're welcome. He's my age. Uh, we're at the mid-May point of the season. I know we're just starting to pick up our intake of basketball because we've been so focused on football, of course, as we are every year. Any thoughts on your Spurs, where you think their season is headed, or are they where they should be? So, I mean, it just got it got announced yesterday. So today is March 11th. Hopefully, we'll have this up in a few days. Um, got announced yesterday that Aldridge has reached a mutual agreement with the Spurs to part ways. So, I, I don't know, man. I felt like he was kind of the last holdout. You got Rudy Gay. He's still a little bit older. But the Spurs are going through like a, a – Mm, phasing out of the old guys into the young guys. Like a there's some great rebuild. talent there. It's like a yeah. It's a, it, there. There's mildly successful rebuild. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it's that. been a slow rebuild. I like that. Um, slow I'm not mad rebuild. at where they're at. I said mildly slow successful rebuild. rebuild. Are the Knicks? I'm on hashtag. Trust the 20 year process, and you're over here bitching slow rebuild. Oh, shut up. It, it, slow rebuild for you this. Know, they didn't fire everybody and just go buy a bunch of rookies. Spurs fans so. are like Patriots fans. You have no reason to gripe for the next 15 years. Shut your face. Enjoy your games. You got some cool jerseys. Just shut up. And every uh, Patriots fan I knew like that was a real bandwagon. It's been fan. a slow rebuild. Slow rebuild. Jeez. I still I still wear my Latrell Sprewell shoes because it gives me hope of the glory days. <laughs> uh, Man, those things were like 20 bucks when they came out. I remember I'm going to NBC like, these are a deal. And they, they had a plastic spinner on them. Um, riding spinners, riding spinners. They don't stop. Knicks are getting their ass beat by the Bucks, which, you know, they're going to beat the – it looks like they're the team that are going to beat, you know, the middle-of-the-pack teams, the weaker teams, and that's good. That's good because that, that was not expected this year. So anything above 500, which if they lose today, they will be back at 500, is a really glorious day as a Knicks fan. I like what they're doing with the young guys. I hope they don't do anything too crazy trade-wise, which I think they've kind of roughed the waters through that. You know, um, after the Rose, after they acquired Rose, they, they they're set. They're good. I, I I like what they're doing. I hope they stick to the plan this year. The twenty-year plan. Cool. Talk to me in four years. Catch me outside. How about that? Um, 
what is in the nose of your glass? Not ready to go there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So before we go any further, we've got to really talk about the fact that we're talking about basketball. Dude, we are on the cusp of Selection Sunday. Like, we haven't even talked about that. I just got a happy feeling in my pants because this is my. This I is know. Did you do a little Kegel? And I was like, oh, hey, how you doing? This is an awesome time of the year. So, this is like a quiet, underrated time of the year. You have a lot of thing going, things going on. You have your spring break vacations with the family. You have your COVID vaccines. Oh, my gosh. Can you just stop shitting on this time? Like, with your depression? I can't take it. That's a good thing. <laughs> COVID vaccines. Yes, it's great. Please remind me of the reality we live in. Anyway, <laughs> you've got the spring break vacations with the family. You've got your traditional every other year, except, you know, this once a generation pandemic, you have these spring break vacations with the families. You have selection Sunday. Okay. Um, Dick, stop twirling those beads around. I don't, I don't know what that means. And then you've got my favorite holiday without a doubt, the glorious St. Patty's day. And I will not talk about cancel culture, but there is one thing that kind of got me triggered the other day. They put the recipe online to some cockamamie bullshit that they called an Irish slammer. Now, Dick, you know my yearly St. Paddy's Day tradition. I wake up the day before St. Paddy's Day like a kid on Christmas. I put my lucky socks on and I run to the nearest liquor store and I get three things. Three things. I guess them. You can guess them. Jameson. Ding. Guinness. Ding. And something Catholic? I don't Ooh, know. Ooh, close. Irish cream. Sometimes Bailey's, sometimes what's cheap and available, because at the end of the day, you're just going to okay, you're gonna slam that. But that is not an Irish slammer. That mm-hmm. Is an Irish freaking Kaaba. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, if you want to call it an Irish slammer, why are we not calling it a car bomb? Because of terrorists I don't and know. stuff? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. But so we're, we're going to keep saying car bomb until someone says it's racist, right? Yes, but I'm Irish, so I can say it. Um, hey, dude, look at me. Yeah, you are like on the same. You're like on the Lucky Charmers box. Um, <laughs> Because on St. Patty's Day, you know what I have for breakfast? Lucky Charms. No. Donuts. An Irish cow bomb. Okay. (laughs) You know what I have for lunch? No, 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 no. Let me take a step back. An Irish slammer. You know what I have for brunch? An Irish cow bomb. You know what I have before my lunch? An Irish cow bomb. You know what I have randomly at 417 in the afternoon just because it's there? A margarita. An Irish cow bomb. Okay. St. Paddy's Day is my favorite time of the year. So you mix that in with a little college basketball. This year, it's usually, what, Thursday and Friday, so that would be the next day. Oh, it's a beautiful time of the year. Definitely underrated. 
Uh, you know, my favorite thing is to grab the bracket and say, who's going to be this year's 2002 Southern Illinois Salukis, you know, and I will never forget that team because Salukis is an Egyptian dog. Go figure. Um, you know, who's going to be that team? Who's going to be that Loyola that goes to the final four? George Mason. Uh, so we will get all into that in our next recording. So good point. Glad you brought it up. It's exciting. Awesome. Awesome time of the year. Way to dick that up, Kurt. Yes, sir. No problem. Are you ready to get into this nose, Milad? Let's do it, senor. What? Okay, that was half Irish, half Hispanic. Much like you. All right. So I'm going to give you my uh, nine-banded real quick. So it's not very proofy. Get corn. There's, there's a good amount of corn in there. I mean, you can definitely take, smell that uh, 87%. The corn, you get a sweetness, a little dustiness. Hint of vanilla. Not any cinnamon, not any, maybe a little cherry. But it's, it's sweet, dusty corn. Vanilla, cream. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. It, it's very atypical corny bourbon. What about you, sir? Oh, I know it's so good. So, just for the record, while, while Kurt is nosing this thing, I'm going to voice over his sniffs, inhales. If you ever see a 1792 foolproof store pick, don't question yourself. Just buy it. I I, I have not run across anybody who says it's bad. It's proofy. It's good. It's sweet. It's all the right things. Kurt's going to give you the the voiceover on it, but. It is probably one of the best sleeper bottles out there. So please pick it up. Yes. And actually, uh, we have a whiskey club that I'm actually recommending. The next time we get together, we do the 1792 small batch because we saw, who was it, bourbon junkies that had that blind tasting in the small batch one? Or am am I way off? No, you're not way off. Okay, and I'm interested to try it because apparently their products are pretty solid across the board. Um, And when you have something like this, it only wants you to dig in further and do some research. But on the nose of this just delightful bottle. So this has a very orange peel nose. And the reason I get that is because there's the nose has this high peak on it. Like it's got a sting on it, but it's a good sting. Not your ethanol sting. It's like you took the peel, and you know when you accidentally eat some orange peel and it has that stinging kind of... Yep. You know, that's exactly what I'm getting on the nose of this. High orange. Little hints of vanilla, which you can literally say on almost all bourbons. Any decent bourbon you can. Oh, but yeah. Good, good toasted, toasted oak. Not burnt, but yeah, it's literally. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the the squeeze, the orange peel. You rub it on your rim when you do an old fashioned, something like that. That's what that's what's coming to mind when I'm nosing this, and I certainly, um, certainly have a grade for you. Did you give your grade on your dick? Um, I didn't give a grade, but I'd give this a C. I'm going to go A. I'm going to go A minus. I'm going to go A minus for this. Um, 
it's there. The, the orange is very, very lingering and it's very welcoming. So I'll give it that. I'll give it that A minus. Sweet. Um, before we get into our third dream, we've got to talk about something that was very influential in our childhood. It had a very big impact on us. Les Miles. No, that was a different impact. Um, what is that? Velvet? Did I do a good one? Was that good? That's pretty good. Okay. Well, coming to Sexual America. Sexual chocolate. Well, that was kind of. <laughs> that sounded like a like an evil cartoon, <laughs> like Dracula character. But uh, A for effort. Uh, coming to America came out. We both watched it. We both texted each other. We actually started the movie at like the same time and sent each other the opening credits. Kind of weird, but once again, I think we're best friends. Um, I just want to get did it live up to the expectations? Was it worth the sequel of all that was awesome in Coming to America 1? I mean, how could you say no? I, I felt like it was everything you wanted it to be. A lot of people were saying no. Well, those but, are some fucking haters. Go continue. All right, don't be a fucking dick about it, all right? Um, there were so many good tie-ins. The story tie-in to actually make the, the whole sun situation was a little loose, but they did their best. I mean, they did their damnedest, and you can't hate them for that. There's not, there's not too many reasons to tie together a 30-year gap, so they had to kind of roll with it, but continue. Indeed, they did. But I thought they put it together. Um, they had a great cast. I mean, we talked about Wesley Snipes and what is what a awesome job he did. Um, we talked about them bringing back, like, even Louis Anderson, like, all of the peripheral characters. Louis! Exactly. Sidebar. Life with Louis. Did you see it growing up? Is that the one that was animated? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I, I forget how <laughs> the dad, when I was in the war, that show was awesome. Check it out for you that, that didn't get to see. I think it was on Fox. Awesome, awesome cartoon. Maybe it sucked. Maybe it was one of those things was cool because I was like seven or eight. But hey, whatever. Anyway. It's like re watching Ren and Stimpy at this age. Um, there's a lot that happened there. I think at the end of the day, you have to appreciate what it was, right? You can't sit there and say, oh, it's critically acclaimed. It's going to win all these awards. Maybe it will. I don't know. But it was funny. It made me laugh. It, it brought back the nostalgia. It tied the story together. It felt good at the end. It was funny throughout. I mean, it's salt and pepper. And there, I mean, Morgan Freeman wasn't there for God's sakes. Um, and I don't know. I thought it was it was just as good as Borat, right? The second Borat when didn't see and that 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 won two Golden Globes. Yeah, so that makes me may, maybe see it. will. I didn't see it, there but you. I will watch it. I, you really got to watch, it, especially if you're a Rudy Giuliani fan. You got to watch it. <laughs> we'll just zip that up. Um, yeah, it was great to us. Uh, we were texting the the bringing everybody from the first one. Except, of course, obviously. The only person that I didn't catch in there was Samuel L. Jackson. Sam uh, there wasn't really a really good reason to bring him back. Well, and then the boyfriend. The so-called boyfriend. Uh, oh. Just let your soul glow. Yeah, the only two people that really stood out. You, Samuel L. Jackson, yes, who went on to greater things after that movie. Uh, the sister, Lisa McDowell. She's not in it. And then you have the boyfriend, Daryl. You know, famous scene where he's at the door covered in rain, which I did to my wife the other day. I rained on and she she answered the door. I go, Lisa, dump me. And she took her a while to catch on. But anyway, um, 
everyone else is in it and that's what made it great uh we were talking about the critics being hard on it but it's like it's the same people that say all adam sandler movies suck when at the end of the day if you like adam sandler movies you're gonna love all of them except for that jack and jill one which i don't talk about very often because of how we tried to pull a nitty murphy yeah <sighs> it was so bad uh but while we were texting, you made a comment about an Adam Sandler movie that I wanted to put my fist through the phone and punch you in your throat. You want which to chime in that? on that? Which one was it? The one that you said was his worst movie, which can arguably be one of his best movies. Oh, yeah. You mean the shit fest that was Uncut Gems, which brought freaking Kevin Garnett into it out of nowhere. Which Adam Sandler yeah. does in his movies, but... yeah. I, I did it not was like, like the closest he's ever gotten to being nominated for like an Oscar. I, Adam Sandler, that is. Fifty First Dates was pretty pretty rewarded. If I okay, so you go from Uncut Gems to Fifty First Dates. I mean, Grown Ups was oh good. Moving on. I just watched both of them this weekend. Just kidding. I, I like. <laughs> Let's get into that third dram. Shut up. You know what? Okay. All right. Well, before we leave it. One of my favorite uh, Adam Sandler's of all time is um, Eight Crazy Nights. That's a great movie. Uh, I'm going to stick with the classics. Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy. Who doesn't Who doesn't get their heart just crushed at the end of Big Daddy? You, what do you mean crushed? You want what happened to your, what happened <laughs> your, your five-year plan? <laughs> oh, man. Because you showed me I'm going to be a good father. Oh, every time. Is that the guy with the old balls? <laughs> that too. Third dream. So somebody lost their job. Uh, yeah, this was this was after we recorded last time too. So this is this he, is hot. He did a no no. Uh, who's currently unemployed, Dick? Um, well, two people. Um, the first one being Les Miles, who couldn't be trusted around the ladies, and Jeff Long, the AD. Um, talk about a history of being rewarded for failure. Um, as I read in one article, um, Jeff Long's out at Kansas and uh, Les Miles. Yeah. Yeah. You texted me when the first, like, he's going to be out indefinitely. And I texted you, like, he's done. Like, that's the slap on the wrist don't last. Like, they don't work. Um, Not today's the, era. No. Uh, and, and, you know, if we're going to put some context to it, the Creighton basketball coach just recently made a really bad comment. He got the slap on the wrist treatment, and he's going to be able to join his team again. The sexual allegation things, they don't get the slap on the wrist treatment. They're gone. Rightfully so, though. Yes. Rightfully and, so. and that is not saying that the Creighton coach, uh, McDermott, that was a horrible, horrible thing to say. But these sexual allegations, they don't get the slap on the wrist treatment. It is what it is. There's a chain reaction of people get fired, as you said, deservingly so. So I don't know what the point of that was. I guess, you know, everyone's everyone's entitled to due process. So I guess that that was their way to starting the process. But that that wildfire was already lit. You know, you read the we read the details, you know, that he, he was banned from, you know, being around females by themselves or, you know, having them as interns or something like that. Am I, am I? No, you're right. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm not pulling a, you know, you couldn't babysit the girls volleyball team. Anymore. I just want to make That's... sure I wasn't pulling like a Newsmax and just totally making that up. But um, 
Oh, that was more of an OAN. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, so he's out. Who takes over at Kansas is obviously going to inherit a whole lot of issues. He really didn't get the rebuild going at all. I don't know if they won a game last year. Sadly, I only saw them when they almost beat Tech in the last game of the year. It's going to be rough in Kansas. It's going to be a rough period, especially when you're playing in the Big 12. So I haven't seen any front runners pop up. Um, I did see one article, and I think it was like, unless it was satire, but it was more jesting that he should go hire the fate that they, uh, that they should go hire that famous Arkansas high school football coach who goes for it on every fourth down and does an onside kick every every kickoff. Yeah, I know. He, he, I know. I know who you're talking about. about. He goes for two. He 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 never punts. Doesn't matter what end of the field. He does all the stats. That's great. Yeah. He's not going to get that job. No, he's not. Um. But... So who's going to go after that job? I don't know, man. Like, there's two names that pop up to me first. Like, one's Brett Bielma, but we know he just got the Illinois job. But I think you're looking for someone in a very similar situation who used to be have clout like Les Miles did, right? And fell off for whatever reason it was. Lane Kiffin's a prime example of that. Um, Sarkeesian's another fine example of that. But these guys have gone through their remediation process, right? I think one guy we can't forget here, and it's just a stretch because he's actively coaching because it's D2 and they're, in, they're actually playing spring ball this year, is Bobby Petrino. And I know, I know he had his mm. issues, but I'm not saying it's it is Bobby Petrino. You, but I you, think you do know the issues he had, though, yeah, right? I'm very well aware, and that's what I was getting to. But uh, I think you're looking for someone of that caliber that was a somewhat successful D1 coach. Had a that fall. caliber. <laughs> he was decent while he was at Arkansas, man. Yes, I know, but his troubles will get him nowhere near that interview. Um, Maybe. People forget. No, what, the name. What about you? So it's Kansas. It's the Big Twelve. You're gonna have some decent smaller school names. Jay Norvell over at Nevada. You know, maybe maybe Army coach Jeff Munkin. But I don't think they're gonna leave. Even though they're smaller conferences, I don't think they're gonna leave for that bigger school. I think the realistic one. And I saw an article yesterday, or was it today? Either way, it was a great suggestion. Willie Fritz from Tulane, just because he's a proven program rebuilder. Uh, 8-0 at Georgia Southern. He's done things at Tulane recently, turned it around. Uh, I think they said, what, 47 and 40 in seven years as I'm looking at a school like Tulane. That's awesome. I think that's a realistic search. You can, you ha- you can definitely – vouch for leaving Tulane for Kansas. So they've got to keep it realistic. Um, Skip Holtz was floating around, but I think Skip Holtz has turned down other bigger schools to stay at Louisiana Tech, so I don't see him going to Kansas. But it will be interesting. But, yes, very sudden, very fast. Les Miles is out at Kansas. What about Charlie Strong? He just took the job with Jacksonville as assistant coach and inside linebacker coach. Do you think he wants to try his hand again? So are you going to try your hand in the NFL, possibly do some good things, possibly get on the head coaching track in the NFL path, or are you going to go to Kansas? I don't know, man. I mean, that's the question, right? I mean, that that's a dilemma. 
I think he gives Jacksonville a shot. Like Kansas is going to be a mess. I mean, he's know. 60 years old. Charlie? Yeah. I did not know that. I still don't think that I, – I don't think that changes it. I think he sticks in Jacksonville. Okay. Um, what else we got? What other headlines we got? All right. So I think other than that, we've got Patrick Ewing. I'm going to just let you go with that. So today, Patrick Ewing had a press conference. They had their Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. Obviously, Patrick's had a lot of success there. And he was upset that he got so much, I guess, pushback from security. He had to go through clearances. He had to do the security check. And he said, what the hell, man? My jersey's literally in the rafters. He was not too happy. The dick, celebrity, no celebrity. The house that Patrick built, the house that you know others have built, obviously, it's Madison Square Garden. Does he have a fair argument? I mean, like you said, he built the the house. So, like, do the English trying to bring down the house? I don't know. Um, it's Patrick fucking Ewing. Like, I could see if he like walked into like. I don't know, somewhere where they had a relevant rivalry, maybe like LA, like trying the Staples Center and they didn't want to let him in. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, maybe there's people with him and you don't want to be the dick that's like, okay, go ahead, Patrick. But hey, I've got to stop you who's right behind him. I don't know. It's just a funny little press conference. My reaction was like, dog, Patrick, Nick's ain't done shit in a while. So it's good. You know, you may not be as remembered as... <laughs> You know, you wish you'd think you would be, but that's just a shot at the Knicks. Of course, everyone who has any, if you're working at Madison Square Garden, you should know who Patrick Ewing is. And we haven't even mentioned it, but we have great a great basketball game going on. We got the Big 12 tournament. Like we said, Selection Sunday is coming up. Tech is up 58 to 38 with 12 minutes left. Definitely not going to hold on to that um, excitement till it's over because I think this was the case last time they played. Texas made a run for it. Texas squeak by uh lots of football stuff transaction wise players moving uh players getting paid since the recording debacle that we had Dak prescott is getting paid so we've got to start with that mm-hmm. 160 million over four years only second to patrick Mahomes. deserving i don't know i don't, I don't know i don't know either I, he, Deshaun Watson is number three on that list, like with like like million per year, like total contract size. Hmm. You would think he'd be happy with where he's at. Continue. I I'll be honest with you, like I'm I like Dak. I really do. Um, I would build a strong team around Dak. I would not pay Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson money for Dak. I know it's a couple years after Watson transaction and it's a year after the Mahomes transaction and it's kind of somewhere in the middle. Jerry Jones has the money to give. But you would think with that expensive of a backfield now that there's a question going around, like what are they actually going to produce in the next four years? Like that's our sweet spot. I say our. I'm not really a Cowboys fan anymore. Moving the hat. So, I, think it's, I think it's too much. I think it's too much for what he's produced so far. They could have franchised him. Well, it, it, it hasn't been questioned as much as I thought, or maybe I just haven't watched enough Sports Center this week. But it hasn't give, been questioned. You're, give, no, you're right. They, they, it's, it's give Dak his due. He should got his contract last year. 
Well, yeah. Okay, that's what I was getting at. Pre horrible ankle injury. Well, pre mediocre start. It's not just horrible ankle injury. It's it's pre mediocre start. Okay. Well, the guy had a horrible ankle injury, and if you give him this contract before that injury, you don't have the big elephant in the room of the big ankle injury afterwards that he just had. Uh, does that make a difference? Does that say, hey, why didn't you do this before that happened, Jerry? I don't think Jerry gives two fucks. I really don't. I think you okay, talk about ruthless yeah. owners. Like, he does not care. What I'm saying, if you're saying he's a ruthless owner, don't you think he goes more like, uh-uh-uh, you've got to show me after this rehabilitation, and then you're going to earn this contract? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows that Jerry Jones is pulling the strings? It could have been Stephen Jones. Huh. Okay. Well, Dak deserves it. Uh, it's good to see him there in Dallas. I hope he does come back full on um, and gets back to doing things he was doing before. I mean, last year, not such a good record, but he tore it up throwing-wise. Now, that's actually what some of the backlash was about. Like, hey, you have Zeke. Why is he throwing so much? Because Zeke wasn't producing. Well, they weren't giving him the ball as much as people wanted. No, but even if you talk about last season, like the 2020 season, when Dak was still healthy, Zeke was not producing when they gave him the ball. They were giving the ball 10 to 15 times a game, and he was averaging two to three yards a rush. It's almost like, this is my opinion, Zeke got paid, and Zeke said, fuck it, which I can see Zeke doing because Zeke is that kind of guy, in my opinion. Well, there you Dak said, is driven. Zach should not be, or Zeke should not be just getting the ball 10 to 15 times a game. Exactly. But when you give him the 10, 15 times a game and he's only averaging three yards a rush over that 10 to 15 carries and he's not giving any big plays, why would you keep giving, giving him the ball? It's the same predicament the Cowboys fans have been in for a while. It's like run the ball more. And when you run the ball too much and they don't produce, throw the ball more. And you get in the third and fourth quarter, you're down by seven. You start throwing the ball like a motherfucker. Sorry. Well, okay. with with Dak signed up for the future, uh, the Cowboys have certainly gotten more stability than the Texans have. Uh, oh, that's for sure. They just need to get some damn wide receivers now. Texans signed Mark Ingram today. Moving on. Wow. Uh, let's let's talk about Russell Wilson. He's obviously not, obviously not going to the Cowboys. So he's got what the Bears, the Raiders, and who else left? I think I'd heard the Saints. Saints. So does Drew come back? That whole conversation. Is Jameis really the, the future of the Saints? I don't think Russell's going anywhere. I think that's a fair I assessment. think this is let's I think it's a lot of all for not. Let's get some football news going in the offseason. I think that's what it is. I don't think Russell's going anywhere. I think he'll be a Seahawk. Um I even see Russell being like polite about his <laughs> unhappiness. That's how Russell Wilson seems to be. Like, okay, I'll play. Um, Give me my kale juice and pay me more. Millions of dollars spent on that that young man's body. Correct. Million dollars every year, allegedly. Nice. I I spend millions of dollars uh, towards my body in terms of food. I buy a lot of, a lot of food. Um. Josh Gordon and Johnny Mansell are playing in the we didn't make it in the league league. Uh have you seen that, that at all? That's not even that's not even the name of it though. It's the 
we didn't make it in the CFL league. Ah, league. okay. The yes. I think you have to get a subscription to an off-seas inter- internet site to get access to the games league, correct? Pretty sure it's sponsored by OnlyFans, yeah. Oh, nope. That would be too, too high profile. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so they're doing their thing. I, I really don't want to talk about that at this point, do you? <sighs> Moving on. Um, Say it ain't so fit. Patrick may retire. How important? We had a great conversation <laughs> about this, about Chase, Chase Daniel, Daniel, and right and and the tie to Ryan Chase, Fitzpatrick. And I think Chase we should Daniel, still talk the about it. Backup quarterback who doesn't play, but he's always there in case you need him. Fitzpatrick always a bridesmaid, never but a groom. We, that's okay. It's okay. He's a fucking paid, paid. Actually, Fitzpatrick was a bride. He got walked out on a few times. Chase Daniel never been the bride. He's 27 dresses strong, and I think his 28th dress should be no, the I've, Jags. I, I think, think if, they signed him. Oh, I don't want to do fake news, but I think he was like he was one of those situations where he was signed to be the guy, and then they got somebody else, or maybe. Okay, well, down the road. I Just thought that opportunity it. may have come up to him a couple of times. Um, for some reason, Philadelphia is sticking out maybe before the whole Wentz and, and, and Foles thing. Maybe I could be wrong. But Chase Daniel okay. was never the dude. But tell me, Chase Daniel would not be a great backup and mentor to Trevor Lawrence in, in Jacksonville. Or, hold on, as um, Chris Sims says... The guy out of BYU. Zach Wilson. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. A first round draft Zach pick. Wilson. You'd be luck you'd be lucky to have Chase Zach Daniels. Wilson may be a dude. So you go back to the Mahomes draft. Trubisky's getting the attention, which let's let's be honest. Lawrence is the dude, but Trubisky's getting the attention. Watson's getting the attention. Winston got in uh, and, and Mahomes was kind of the could be, could he not be? So Lawrence is getting the attention. Fields is getting the attention. According to your boy Chris Sims, like Kellen Mond's like what the third or fourth best quarterback in the draft. Yeah, allegedly he's the fourth, which is not. I don't know if I disagree or agree with it. I disagree completely. Um but Zach Wilson's interesting dude, man. I think he could be a, a, a definitely a sleeper, which if, if he is, wouldn't be a surprise because a lot of people are saying he's the dude. But, yeah, Chase Daniels is going to be a great backup for anybody. He's going to have that mentor thing. So would Fitzpatrick. If he does retire, though, I'm certainly going to pour an expensive bottle of whiskey. And cheers, the great career, former starting quarterback of the Houston Texans. You want to get into the palette of your glass? Yeah, let's do that, man. A little proofy. A little proofy for the actual proof. A little nuttiness. Vanilla carries through. There's a little bit of oakiness there, too. Um, Maybe a slight hint of, like, apricots. But nothing super complex. Um, this is a great beginner bourbon. This is also a great mixer bourbon. 
Um, I think it's a really kind of cool bottle. Uh, my, my bar is called the Armadillo, and this looks really good in the Armadillo from the standpoint of it's nine-banded Armadillo. But, uh, you know, B minus. B minus on the taste. I'm not mad at it. I'm not praising it. It's B minus. All right. Lots of fruit here. Uh, continuing on with the nose that had the orange. Orange, grapes, good mellow taste, uh, solid. 125 proof. I think it really tastes, I think the palate is really there at that 125 proof. It has a kick, not an over kick. Um, but yeah, I'm getting a lot of grape and fruit on this taste. Even like a, a grape juice kind of finish. But that sting is still there. That orange peel sting is on the palate as well. Little bit of cinnamon. Yeah, grape and cinnamon. Grape soda and cinnamon. Grape soda. Uh, yeah, I, I I will go. So I went A minus on the nose. I think the I think the palate's there too. It's good. This is a glass. The last three times I've poured a dram, it grows. It grows. Uh, it gets better. Let it sit for a little bit. It's definitely one if you try to drink it fast, you're not going to enjoy it as much. Let it sit a little while. Flavors come out, and it, it's pretty good. So I'm going to go ahead and give it an A- minus on the palate as well, which kind of takes out some of the anticipation of my overall grade. Uh, but, yeah, A- minus on that. So, would you say that you need to get the neck pour out of the way first? Oh. Hold, hold on. Hold on. We'll get to that. All right. So, let's go and get into our fourth dram. We're going to call this one, What in the World of Whiskey? I want to yeah. kick it off. You took a little trip, a little uh, afternoon uh, meander over to a, a little industrial segment or section of Houston and you got to know exactly how much pride the greatest of all time had tell us about that man so one of the many wonderful things of eight's town hold it down is the distillery game is going through the roof down here you're getting build this beer distilleries you're getting whiskey distilleries there's a lot to go through uh, yeah, I heard good. it's on. I heard it's quote on fleek. Yes, yes, it is. It is on fleek. Um, so I attended a whiskey tasting over at Gulf Coast Distillery in Houston. It is the largest distillery west of the Mississippi River. Big, big old complex. Got to check it out. Their tasting room is just oh, it's awesome. I was sending Dick some pictures of it. Uh, barrels on the wall. Colorful, great setup. Really excited as soon as I walked in. They had an awesome layout. They had the grains on the table, corn, rice, so you can, you know, uh, nose those as you go through it. And it actually was kind of broken into three segments. There was, it was called Whiskey 101. So it was really a really good thing for beginners. It was a, a good room. Socially distancing, of course, which <laughs> here in Texas, that ain't a thing anymore, but <laughs> we won't get into that. Um, 
it was a nice setup. Everyone had their own little sets of glasses, and it started off with a nice little PowerPoint. It was called Whiskey 101. It had some cool things, like they had a Whiskey Miss uh, slide that, you know, all bourbon isn't made in Kentucky. Color isn't an, isn't an indication of age. Older whiskey isn't always better. So it was, it was some good Miss. And really what it was, it was a uh, put on where they had the head distiller speak, or the the master distiller and they had Christopher Hart who, who if you haven't heard of him down here he does a podcast called Whiskey Neat he's interviewed some awesome people I know uh, Matthew McConaughey within the last couple months and it's on ESPN radio here in Houston and he did a little Q&A and we were tasting their it's a 15 year Kentucky bourbon release called the Prideful Goat basically they insourced a Kentucky bourbon you know, could be anything, 15 years. It was, uh, we were able to taste that. And then the other cool thing that we were able to taste is we actually tasted Howler's County Fair bourbon bottle and bond that was from 1967. So that was a unique experience. And you know, someone found that in their grandfather's basement after he died, right? Something like that, something in an auction or something. It was a very unique flavor. It even had like a rustic flavor to it. Very, very good. The Prideful Goat, I'm excited to to share my thoughts on that. I'm sending Dick a bottle of it. I want us to do it at the same time because I want to see if he enjoys it as much as I do. I mean, it's 15-year it's Kentucky juice. It was $100. I ended up buying the bottle. We had a chance to buy their second batch, uh, which was getting released. At the time, it just got released this past weekend. We got a little early shot at it because we went to the tasting and I'm trying to hold on to it for us to do it because it's 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 good. But Get off your ass and go to the UPS store. Yes, uh, I, I'm getting there, buddy. I'm getting there. It's a pandemic. People are suffering. Um, but the funniest part that I wanted to share with Dick is during the Q and A. You know, the conversation was going good. There were some good questions asked, and there was my opportunity. So I raised my hand. And I, I, I should have known better, but I wanted to get the answer for Dick. <laughs> I asked Christopher Hart, who obviously knows Hold his up. stuff. Uh-huh. Don't, don't say you did this for me. I did that's, do that's this That's the first you. dumb question that popped into your head. Yes, because of you. Dick has given his theory on the neck pour before. Before? What am I, Medea? Before. Um... He's given his theories on it. And he's literally told me on bottles like, oh, I got to get through the neck pour. And in the back of my head, I've always been like, this isn't a thing. So I asked Christopher Hart, what is your theory on neck pour? And his face, the second I said it, told me everything. I was that kid in class that asked that question that you shouldn't ask because it's such a dumb question which is a feeling you're familiar with i was i was it's kind of the same look my wife gave me when i asked her if she'd marry me but um yeah so to sum it up it's not a thing as and and he did a very good job at answering it for the crowd because it was you could tell there was some very new people to bourbon he explained it he explained the phenomenon of people saying, you know, well, let's get through the neck pour. 
that they think that the oxygen that gets into the bottle when you open it, you know, changes the taste. Then he's all, guess what's in a barrel after some of it evaporates oxygen. So yes, he made me. So I was glad to tell Dick, fuck you, Dick. Let's just be very clear. I've never said the neck pour is a thing from the standpoint of the oxygen. I've said neck pour is a thing from the standpoint of the light pollution into a bottle when it sits out over time. That's why whiskey should be stored in a dark place. No, you're doing that thing where people are saying, no, just go with it. It's not a thing. In fact, somebody behind me, this was the sad part. Like this was me back in a fifth grade class. When I asked the question, somebody behind me was the funny guy and, and yelled out, well, it's because you didn't turn the bottle. Ha, ha, ha. And I was like, ha, 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 Anyway, so that was my great experience. But anyway, other than that wonderful tasting, if you're in the Houston area, give it, go look at it. It's, a, it's, a, it's like in a factory district where you pass these other factories, and it's, it's kind of – You a, do drug deals. It was a muggy day, so it was kind of like a – I was the first car there. I was that guy. But um, food, they served us food. Oh, it was good. Did you say you met some pretty cool people while you were there? Oh, I, I did. Actually, uh, Tortilla Dan, uh, owner of uh, Tortilla La Rancheria over in Houston. Delicious tortillas, by the way. I had to buy them. We had them there. I had them with some Korean chicken tacos. Oh, good, good stuff. I will shout out more when we get to the actual episode. But he sent me a bottle of Garrison Brothers Cowboy Bourbon. I've never had it. And we've talked about it many times. Kind enough, cool enough, he sent me a bottle, a sample of that. I will be trying it in an upcoming episode. But shout out to Tortilla Dan uh, for that. But it was just a cool cool little uh, evening. They, they're doing a collaboration with St. Arnold's. Uh, so we've, we got to try St. Arnold's, which is a, a beer down here in Houston, delicious stuff we got to drive basically the white dog that they were just starting straight off the copper still got to taste it it's like a pineapple like oh it was it was great and it was like 180 proof but it was so smooth yeah i i love that you called that out because that's so much like white dog like true moonshine like it's super super Mm -hmm. high proof and it tastes like fruit like it tastes like cherries it tastes like like there's no woodiness no oakiness Every white dog, like true moonshine out of a, you know, a plastic jug I've ever had is amazing. Yeah. And, and, and then Gulf Coast distilleries, they do the giant Texas bourbon. Uh, they also have a white dog that we got to sample amongst the tasting. And that was that I like that more than some of the others that we got to taste because it was so like it was a blue corn taste. It was so good. It was it was great. White dog, you know, white lightning moonshine whatever you want to call it it was good stuff so check it out if you're in the houston area i had a great time dick's got a lot of whiskey news that he's just flipping his desk over to talk about get into it there dick all right so we'll talk about a couple things here i'm not going to spend too much time here but we really wanted to highlight a couple of the things about the tariff right so you're seeing some things on facebook you're seeing some things on reddit you're seeing some things on the interwebs in general about this whiskey tariff so i want to ground us all like the scotch tariff is something that yeah is going to make scotch imported whiskey cheaper primarily based off of the trump era eu product um tariffs that are being rolled back from the Biden administration, you're seeing about a a reduction in the overall cost 
to import that product, which was subject to about a 25% tariff. So this should be set in place for at least the next four months. Um, we're hoping it becomes long-term. Um, but at the end of the day, you should see if you're a Lagavulin fan, if you're a, um, you know, a Glen Murray, if you're a, any kind of like scotch, um, whether Highland, Islay or, you know, um, Space yeah, more, baby. There you go. There you go. If you're any of those whiskey fans, you should see a decrease within hell, even, um, Jameson coming up on, uh, hell, even Jameson coming up on St. Patty's day, you should see a decrease in the overall cost of that whiskey. So, Kurt, I mean, any thoughts, any questions on that? You want to keep me, want me to keep rolling? Uh, no, I, I, I will eventually, and I know I'm sounding like a politician because I kept keep talking about things that I don't know if I'm going to do or not. Uh, I, Texas Trail, I think I've kind of run the rye game, got to where I want to be on that. I do want to get back to Scotch eventually. I, it, Dalmore is delicious. I enjoyed it. If anything, it gives me an opportunity to say, hey, let's give it a try. How much cheaper is it going to be? I don't know. What are we talking, a couple bucks here? It depends. I mean, it really depends on your importer and your distributor. But, I mean, oh. Lagavulin and 16 all day, baby. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if anything, I'm, I'm willing to give some of them a try. But that's yeah. that's about it. I would like to see Lagavulin get under $90 a bottle. I mean, is it kind of like a staple? You're going to see it run to 100 110 right now. Um, well, sometimes you 116 grab, You can grab a uh, 20 cents piece of coal and you can lick that. And That's not what Lagavulin tastes like. It tastes like wet leather. Day. No, no. Uh, fake news. A um, couple uh, whiskey awards um, to call out here. <laughs> so the American Whiskey Awards had a uh, had a award celebration and a few here that we're going to call out in our second recording, which I think kind of sparked some conversation was 291 hashtag 291 family got two awards. Um, one was essentially for the uh, prime or the best white dog, right? So Colorado fresh is it also got the Colorado. Um, That's an awesome uh, bottle. I've got to say that. It I really like is. that bottle. The uh, 291 Colorado Whiskey E, Colorado Whiskey Batch number seven, got the best American wheat. So it sounds like 291 showed up in force. And keep in mind, these awards are only awarded to people who present or submit specific samples for that specific category. So this is not an all-encompassing whiskey award. But at the same time, it's still an award show. You got to show up, right? It's like any barbecue competition you go to. Um, best American corn, our boys up at Iron Root Republic, um, they got their Iron Root Republic Cupris, um, got the best American corn. Um, funny one here, which I found to be most interesting, is best Kentucky bourbon, right? Your, your creme de la creme of what we would consider bourbon whiskey. Weller CYBP, which is Choose Your Perfect Bourbon, which if you don't know the backstory, look it up. But essentially, it was a algorithm which took a bunch of people online going on the website over a period of time and saying i would pick this this barrel in this house with this much sun and all these other factors and that's what became cybp it's really hard to find it's a white label super expensive on the secondary market but that one best kentucky bourbon and for me that was a bit of a controversial one because I don't think that's something that should be in the running from the standpoint that it's not something you can easily find. It's not super mass produced. It is a subset of a subset. And if you talk to anyone who's had it, it's a bit underwhelming for the price. So Kurt, you have the list in front of you. Feel free to call anything else out, but those were the big ones that I thought really deserved to call out. Um, Iron root 
I'll save my input on that till we do our blind tasting from amongst Texas whiskeys, which we've talked about for a while. We are getting to that. The plan was during the tourney. It's coming up. So that could be within, you know, two recordings. I, uh, I'd like to get more flavor profile of Iron Root before I give you my flavor uh, thoughts on that. Bird Dog, I haven't had Bird Dog show back in college. I'll never forget when I was at a fraternity house and I saw a wall of whiskeys. And the two that I remember on the wall were Buffalo Trace because it, it led me to buy it and it led me to my love of the buffalo. And then there was Bird Dog, which I ended up buying and had like the cherry flavored. And it was basically a sweeter version of Soko, if that's possible. It was rough. Um, but I've, I've seen Bird Dog kind of people posting like AIDS bottles of regular Bird Dog whiskey, bourbon, I guess. So that's funny to see because I always go back to college and think it's just like a flavored whiskey. Um, yeah, so... I, I would love to try that white dog from Colorado. The bottle just makes it look refreshing. Uh, CYPB, I can't say too much about it. I didn't have it. I haven't had it. Uh, had it you're, once. The, you're the Weller guy, so you'll know more about that than me. Um, but yeah, that's my input on that list. Cool. And for who, those who don't know, Weller CYBP is a weeded bourbon. Um, so even more interesting, they picked that. The last one I'll call it is Redemption Plantation Rum Cask Finish. This one, Best American Rye. I'm going to call a strong horseshit on that. It is not good. It was a drain pour. It's a bottle of pickle juice and not fun. So please don't buy it. Even if it's on allocation shelf, it was probably the worst buy I've ever made in the last two years. Um, don't pick it. There's much better rye. Pick up Sazzy. It'll knock your socks off. Yeah, that's a hard one to 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 swallow because there's there was the Jack Daniels rye, there was the the you know rare breed rye. I think those are both great callouts, Kurt. And without any pun intended here, it literally was hard to swallow. So don't don't drink it. It's bad. Um, the next one is new releases. So a couple new releases coming out. We've got the uh, Michter's Barrel Strength Rye. Um, which I'm kind of excited about. I don't know if I can get my hands on it. It's 110 proof. I really like Michter's products. I can't say anything negative about them. Um, we got the new Riff 15 year. So Kurt and I have yet to get our hands on some new Riff. We're, we're really, you know, kind of waiting for those guys from New Jersey to get their shit out to Specs and Twin Liquors out here in Texas. But we're talking about, this is about a $200 bottle MSRP for a 900. It's total $900 bottle production. Very interesting. I'm not saying pick it up. But for 15-year bourbon by New Riff, which has gotten some great reviews, I mean, Kurt, kind of compare that to your goat. Like, what did that goat 15-year run you? It was $100. $100. $100 for 15-year juice, and it's hard to find that. Uh, okay, so Bats 1 was $100 because we went to the tasting two weeks before the release. We got the Bats 1 bot price for $100. The batch two was actually sold at I believe one twenty five or one twenty nine. So I mean that's that's ballpark with two hundred. I mean you think about some other um, fifteen year kind of ultra aged bourbon era that you're getting up to. I mean Kentucky Owl is going to run you around the mid one hundreds, possibly upper one hundreds. It's interesting. 
I, I might buy. Well, a that bottle. was one of the things that they prided themselves on. No pun intended. It was it. You know, for a 15 year Kentucky bourbon, I think they said the next close like maybe forty dollars more than what they were selling it for. And like I said, I don't want to give too much away because I really do want to try it. As I'm watching Texas versus Tech, the clock's running. Eleven seconds, ten seconds. Tech is up by one. Texas is going to put up the last shot to try to get a buzzer beater. What are they saying? Are they calling that a foul? They're calling that a foul as he ran in through traffic. Okay, so we're going to go to the line, possibly two to shoot two free throws and win the game. Great. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to give away too much, but let's just say that $100, I will say that it's worth it, to say the least. All right, so while we're on the uh, quick timeout break here, I'm going to talk about the last one I have here, Smoke Wagon Rare and Limited, the five-year batch. So if you're familiar with the Smoke Wagon at all, um, it's kind of a polarizing um, It's kind of a polarizing bourbon. I would say that ultimately it's something that grows on you over time. I think that Aaron out there and team are doing a great job. And this one is something that popped up on the Instagram. We're talking about one barrel out of 300 barrels that they imported. And... This is a rare and limited, but it's a red metal. So I think this is something that's going to be super collectible, in my opinion. It's not, you know, a 10-year bourbon, but it's a five-year bourbon, but it's one of 300 barrels. So if we talk about what does that barrel break down to bottles, we're talking, what, two, 300 bottles, maybe in that, that ballpark, which is that specific rare and limited tag on it. And it has that red metal, pick it up. I think it's something to either collect or drink, whatever you want to do. But it's something newsworthy for sure. Any thoughts there, Kurt? No, I mean, they. we've talked about their badass bottles, you know, a lot. And it looks good. And if you can find it, absolutely be willing to try it. All right. So, Kurt, I think with that, we can get into the overall rating of our what's in our glass here, man. Mine's going to be easy. It was an A- minus on the nose. It was an A- minus on the palate. So I'm going to keep that overall. Great, solid bottle. And then, uh, I mean, what, $38? I mean, that's good stuff. It was delicious. It continued. Big fan. If you if I see another 1792 store pick, I'm probably going to grab it. So on the nine-banded, I'm not even going to look at my previous ones. I'm going to say B- minus. It's not something to be mad at. You can sip this all night. It's never going to offend you. It's never going to buy you drinks. It's never going to pay for dinner. But she's going to, you know, flirt with you at the bar. She's going to maybe make you feel good about yourself, boost your ego a little bit. And you can mix her up with anything. And ultimately, you're not going on with her, but she's fun to talk to. You tend to go home alone, Dick, so that's okay. You should be used to that. Uh, as we get into our final wrap-up of today's episode, we had the fudge-up of 2021 where we had to redo the recording. I think it went well. We got to talk about some of the important things from the previous episode. Uh, we got to give you our take on these delicious bottles that well, I had. can't say the same for Dick, I guess. But, Dick, one more time. The website's big. We love the website. Fort Dram and Goal. Hit them with the little details. Hey, it's huge, not little. All right. So fourthramandgold.com. Like, just go check us out. That's 4thramandgold.com. I mean, like, I'm posting 
on our Instagram on a regular basis. Kurt's hitting us on the Twitter. Um, you can follow us both at 4thDram, um, 4thDram, and the Facebook, of course, 4thDram and Gold, if you want to kick it, kick it old school with us. And then you can always email us, 4thDramandGold at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's going on. Um, tell your friends about us and tell them where to follow us, man. We got a, the, the Apple Podcasts, Audible, the CastBox, the Spotify, whatever you want. Pick it. We got it. And if we don't, tell us we don't got it because we'll get it. Kurt, back to you. Hit us up with the quote of the episode. Noise. So we got to do something for Tiger since we talked about him earlier. Continue to watch his recovery and see what happens with him. But in the famous words of the Tiger, 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 Woodzow, the greatest thing about tomorrow is that I will be better than I am today. La Tigre. To the next snap and the next dram. Drink on, drammers.